McDonald here on ESPN 1000, 100.3 HD2. You can also take us on the go with the ESPN Chicago app. Watch the show as well, twitch.tv slash ESPN 1000 Chicago. We're keeping one eye on the Big Ten tournament as well. We've got Purdue and, or rather, Illinois and Penn State taking place right now over at the United Center, all squared up at 49 right now. I'll get you a little bit of college basketball thoughts later on as Selection Sunday coming up this weekend. And also, um, I want to give uh, my full thoughts on Jim Beheim and his retirement, or maybe not his retirement as well. I'll, I'll do that. I think uh, he was listening to the show, to you and Shay, and this is what it's... Uh this is what started it all. Yeah, we, we, we sent him on his way. Yeah, we, do yeah, we give you, him the boot? The, you guys the were calling, kick he needed? You said all the old coaches need to get out of here. We're time for some young blood. <laughs> and the next thing you know, I look up and Jim and, Beheim, beloved Jim Beheim, is leaving. Oh, I don't know about beloved. Oh, well, oh, yeah, well, not beloved anymore. I'll, I'll give my thoughts. I, I have thoughts on, on what he truly means to the, the sport, to the city. And, and really to, to everything college basketball. So I'll do that coming up in just a little bit here as well. And we'll keep our eyes on, on what's happened at the Big Ten tournament down the street at the United Center as well. 312-332-3776 if you've got anything on your mind as well. Um, all right, so we've been seeing everything that's been going on with Aaron Rodgers, right? Aaron Rodgers, inevitable at this point. New York Jets, it feels like. He will be a Jet sooner rather than later as we enter the, the offseason and continue along and, and we start to see some moves actually get made on the quarterback carousel front. And, you know, here's the one thing about Aaron Rodgers, right? He is a pain in the ass to Bears fans. And I'm not just talking about what we've seen transpire over the offseason the last couple of years, but he has been over the course of his entire career. And what he has done, and for the amount of time that he has done it as well over the course of his illustrious first ballot Hall of Fame career, right? Four MVPs, but he's dominated the North. And we, we hear what Ryan Poles has said at his introductory press conference. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Well, Aaron Rodgers did that. He took the North and he really has not given it back. The Packers have been a threat in the NFL because of Aaron Rodgers' dominance in the NFC North. So it got me thinking, like, who are some of the players who they go out and they have dominated a Chicago team? You hate them with all your being, but at the same time, you also respect them. Like, let's take away the, the wonky off the field, troll hole, uh, doing all the ayahuasca and drugs and stuff like that. Let's take all the weird out of Aaron Rodgers, right? Let's take what he's done on the field. You have to just tip your hat. You hate it. You hate what he has done to the Bears franchise over the course of his career. But you, you also respect what he has done in a Packer uniform and the dominance of what he's held over the Bears. So who has been that athlete for you that you'd respect what they have done even though they have kicked your ass time and time again? It doesn't have to be a Chicago team that they've beat up on. It just has to be any team that you're a fan of. 
312-332-3776. For a long time, it had to be LeBron and the Bulls. That's another one that I brought up. And I was talking with Armand earlier when he called into the show and we were talking a little bit of Bulls. Listen, those Bulls teams were fun. Super fun, right? You had Derrick Rose, Joakim Noah, Taj Gibson was awesome. The bench mob that you had with Ronnie Brewer, Kyle Korver, Omera Sheik had his moment in the sun as well with those Bulls teams. Carlos Boozer was a starter on those teams. Like, those were fun teams. He was the youngest MVP. Yeah. You thought they had just enough. Not only was he the youngest MVP, but you heard LeBron come out and say, yeah, he deserves to be the MVP of this league as well. And it what you just knew when you got to the playoffs and there was always like a little bit of a tease, right? How many times did the bear or did the bulls take that first game from the heat and from LeBron, not just the heat, but also when he went back to the Cavaliers as well, right? How many times did we see the bulls take that first game and it looked like, Oh, here's, here's the little tease. Like there's a chance that this bulls team could get over the hump and take down LeBron James. And it just never happened. Never happened. Always that, then you point to the knee problems. It's like we were just right. always one short, something short. And it felt like it was just oh, the one that could have been. So who are the athletes in your life that you hate them, but you also respect them because of, of just their pure dominance? Aaron Rodgers is one that certainly comes to mind in what he's done against the Bears. And then, Kendra, you brought up the example there of LeBron James as well. Here's a, here's a weird one that I've always felt, too. And it's, it's a guy who, his time going up against the Cubs was short. But it always felt like he performed well against the Chicago Cubs. Ryan Ludwig of the St. Louis Cardinals. Some people may not remember that name very well. Ryan Ludwig. He was with the Cardinals in, from 2007 and then was traded in 2010. So you had a couple of divisional or uh, playoff appearances from the Cubs in 07 and 08. But it always felt like he kicked the Cubs' ass. I thought you were going with Pujols there because that's what well, I was Pujols, thinking. Pujols, yes. <laughs> Pujols, I'll, I'll respect too. Yadi, uh, listen, there, there was some sticky stuff going there on the, on the chest protector, ball bouncing up, sticking on the chest protector. Huh. How does that happen, right? Uh, science tells you that the, there's no magnet in the ball. Um, but Ryan Ludwig's a guy who I, his career, again, just one all-star appearance, also had a silver slugger in 2008. But for some reason, it seemed like he was always a thorn in the Cubs side as well. And I can't get over that. But is there an athlete for you that you look at and say, man, that guy was torturous for me and my fandom. I lost sleep because of that guy. But at the same time, damn it, I respect what you did as a player. You know, the the thing with Aaron Rodgers for me was, I call it hedging your life, right? You know he's going to go out there and dominate, so you may as well find some sort of, of glory and profit in it. So what I would do, draft Aaron Rodgers in fantasy football. Have him as your quarterback. Because you knew he was going to go out there. He wasn't going to turn the ball over. He was going to get you in the neighborhood of 30 and 40 touchdowns while also throwing for 40 to 4,500 yards each season. And I might as well get some happiness out of it. So why not take him in fantasy football? That was always my 
philosophy with what I did with Aaron Rodgers. But is there that athlete for you? 312-332-3776. Their dominance just kind of, you accept it and you tip your hat to it. Tom Brady has to be somewhere in there for someone, well, right? You know, it's funny because uh, going, going to a school out east, all, a lot of my fans were, were fans of, of teams out east and and specifically the Jets, right? I, I went to a school that had a lot of Jets and Bills fans. And they always said, oh, you'll, you'll never understand what it's like to have to go against Brady two times a year. And I'm like, yeah, I do. I go up against Aaron Rodgers two times a year. It's the same. Th- Listen, he may not have the rings to show for it, but in terms of how he stomps on your fandom. Conference, championship, division, all yes, that. Yes. The, the, the final week of the season that one year as well. Like he may not have the rings, right? He can't he can't flex the ring finger at you like Brady can. But in terms of how he crushes my fandom every single year, the same thing applies. Listen, this man told the entire team, "I own you," and I yeah. and I just I just knew the Bears were going to just have some pride and go out there and say that little, was that was so disrespectful. Little bit of an ego check there, right? So three one two three three two three seven seven six. Who's that athlete for you? Chase is on the south side. What's going on, Chase? Tyler, what's up, man? What's up, Chase? Not much, man. I got I got two of them that mm-hmm. I used to I love. They used to I uh, love, but they used to kill our teams. It was one was uh, Megatron, Calvin Johnson. Yep. Mm-hmm. Except for that one game some, where he had he man. did not complete the process. That was a big. Oh yeah. That was a big mental win. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but man, him and. Randy Moss. Randy Moss. That's another good one. When he was with the, the when he was in the Vikings, nineteen ninety. I think I went. Me and my dad went to Soldier Field, the old Soldier Field. So mm-hmm. in nineteen ninety nine, went to the game, and I always had a Randy Moss jersey, and I used to wear that jersey to the game. But I was rooting for the Bears to win, but I was rooting for Moss to have a good game. And I think that game, I was ninety nine. He had like, I think he had like over two hundred yards receiving, and he had like ten catches. And the Vikings won the game. I think it was right after the Walter Payton game. The fall, I, you don't remember it was like it was like I think I don't know how old he was like probably one year old I think at that time but it was uh, right after the Walter Payne game and it was a game where um, uh, uh, the kicker when the kickers from the Bears missed the kick in overtime mm-hmm. and uh, Moss got the ball and I think he caught the I think he had like over like you said he had over two hundred yards but Randy Moss every time he played the Bears he used to always give us a hard time. Because he always played good. Like, even his rookie year, he used to always kill the Bears every year. Him and uh, when they had Chris Carter and Dante Culpepper and then Randy, you know, back in the days, Robert Smith. Mm-hmm. They used to always give the Bears trouble back in, like, the late 90s or 2000s, back in the day. So, it was it was always – it was Megatron and Randy Moss, the two guys I love. But I hate when they play against the because they always had their best games against us all the time. So those two guys. You bring up uh, Randy Moss and the Vikings. You know another good Viking one? Adrian Peterson. Oh man, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's another one too. Uh, Barry Kill and Barry, um, Barry Sanders too. I forgot about him. Barry mm-hmm. Sanders, another one. AP. I mean, a lot of these, a lot of these players like Barry Sanders, um, Brett Favre. Um, you know, you, they it's like these great players. You know, whenever they play the Bears, I don't know. It's something about the Bears where they they always say they best for them for us. It's just like, oh, uh, why do y'all have to wait? <laughs> This, why do y'all have to wait till y'all yep. play us to play great? Like, I used to hate that. I don't know what it's about us that why these great Hall of Fame players, 
when they play us, they always got to play best. I don't understand it. I just don't get it. Why the Hall of Fame players always play great against Chicago teams? I just don't. I just don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just a city. I don't know. It's the worst, Chase. Appreciate the phone call. Have a good night. All right. You too, Tyler. All right, take care, man. Chase on the south side. We want to know who the thorns in your side are. Tony in Evergreen Park. Oh, he's got a fantastic one. Tony, who's your guy that killed you, but you respect him? You there, Tony? Tony, going once. I hear him. I hear him. Hey, Tyler. No, he- sorry about oh, that, there we go, Tony. <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, just one player, huge thorn in my side, being a diehard White Sox fan, Nelson Cruz. Um, oh, yeah. Just just picturing him, you know, just eviscerating Giolito fastballs. Another guy, Luis Arise, you know, ruined that Dylan Cease no-hitter last year, but he's always been a, you know, a tough, tough guy to watch, too. I'm glad he's out of the division for sure. Not to get off track, but I'd like to ask you a quick question. You something you mentioned earlier for sure about uh, Jimmy Butler telling you to f off. Mm-hmm. How can you tell us that story? Yeah, please? yeah, I can. I can rehash that. So this was back when I was in high school, um, and I was. This was right as Jimmy Butler was having his rise to stardom, and oh. he was. Like I think he had just been dubbed the Kobe Stopper, like a little bit. The Bulls had just beaten the Heat to end, what was that, the 28-game winning streak, I think, that the Heat were on. And so it was a little after that. And the I, I was at a restaurant, and Jimmy used to live in the town that I lived in. And he, I was at a restaurant. It was like a fast food. It was a burger place, Meatheads, out in, uh, I think it was technically in Northfield, where it was located. Yeah. Um, so I'm there, and I see Jimmy Butler's there. So I'm like, oh. Like I'm a huge Bulls fan, I'm, and I was yeah. I had a high school radio show, and I was like, wouldn't it be awesome if I could get Jimmy Butler to come on my radio show? So I waited till after he was done, and we were actually kind of leaving at the same time. So I'm in the parking lot, and I see him, and I say, Hey, Jimmy, I'm a big fan. I go to Glenbrook South High School. I, I'd love to have you come on uh, my radio show that I host at Glenbrook South High School, and he goes. Man, call the Bulls. I'm not going on no effing radio show. And then gets in his car and drives away. And I still love him. I still like he absolutely flat out rejected me. And I still love him. Um, even though he he did that to me. So um, that was my Jimmy Butler story. Yeah. Yeah. He's one of those guys. He's tough to not like, you know, the way he plays the game. But appreciate you taking my call, buddy. Yep. You have a good night, Tony. That's Tony in Evergreen Park. We're talking about who are the players that were just an absolute thorn in your side, but you respect them. Aaron Rodgers looks like he's finally leaving the Green Bay Packers. And you may not have to deal with this with Aaron Rodgers anymore. But who are some of the other players that have brought you torture, but you respect the hell out of their careers? 312-332-3776. We'll take more of your phone calls coming up next. Tyler Rocky in for Black and Abdallah. Chicago's home for sports. Black and Abdallah. ESPN Chicago. Follow Chicago's home for sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. You're listening to Black and Abdallah on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Home. All right, we're living through some of the pain, right? 
Aaron Rodgers, it looks like, will not be a Green Bay Packer anymore. Recent reports suggest that he is headed to the New York Jets. Seems like a, a when, not if there. But taking your phone calls now because Aaron Rodgers has been a thorn in the side of Bears fans for years. Right, It went Favre to Rodgers, and we hope that is the end of the cycle of Green Bay quarterbacks that torture the Chicago Bears. But I want to know, who are the athletes that have been a, a pain in your ass, but you respect what they have done as an athlete out there? I've given a couple of mine. We talked about LeBron James, uh, Aaron Rodgers, obviously. I brought up Adrian Peterson as well. And then I had an off-the-board sneaky one, but it was Ryan Ludwig and what he did with the, the St. Louis Cardinals against the Chicago Cubs. Always, always disliked Ryan Ludwig, but I respected how he dominated the Chicago Cubs, it seemed like, whenever he faced them. 312-332-3776, if you've got a thought there as well. Al is in Lamont. What's up, Al? Hey, buddy. Uh, so I got two. I got one uh, 2000s and one current. Mm-hmm. I'm a Sox fan, obviously, so Justin Morneau. Oh, yep. Mm-hmm. And Joe Maurer on the Twins. Anybody on the Twins kill us, but those two guys always killed us, man. They were damn good. And uh, currently, I don't know if I respect him. I just don't like him, and he's a killer for the Sox. Josh Naylor on the Guardians. Yeah. Man, does that guy kill us like every game they play or what last year? Yeah. He he was certainly one of those guys that you, you absolutely hated to, to go up against last year when he – I mean – and then obviously he has this moment in the postseason too, where he's taunting yep. uh, Garrett Cole as well. You know, you bring up a couple of twins there. What about Johan Santana as well, dude? Everybody on that Twins like <laughs> early two thousands. I couldn't. I could rattle off the whole lineup. They were all Sox killers, but it was just oh, every time you went in there, and, and then Joe Nathan, you got a shot. You yep. know, he's gonna blow the lead, and then bam, you got bases loaded. And he strikes us out. Like, I'm, come on, man. I'm looking up Johan Santana's splits against the, the White Sox right now. 13-6 and six with a 324 ERA, 172 strikeouts in 158 innings, and a 1.02 whip. Yeah, we got a lot of, we got a lot of Chicago <laughs> villains that kill us on every team. And it's like, man, they do good against us, and you watch them against other teams. It's like, wait, why are they that good against these teams? <laughs> and then you want to bring them here, and then they – the few that do come here end up sucking, of course. Right. Go figure. Right, exactly. <laughs> have a good one, guys. Yep, you have a good one, Al. Appreciate it. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. John's in Hickory Grove. What's up, John? Hey, guys. How you doing tonight? Um, mine is with hands down the guy that drove me the craziest back in the day, Steve Eiserman. Mm-hmm. Not only was he, you know, we had to play him six times a year or whatever it was back then, and it seemed like every game he got the big assist. He got the big you know, scored the big goal, you know, make the great back-checking play. And, you know, they'd go on and win the Stanley Cup, and we'd be sent home because of him a lot. Yeah. Good call, John, there. He's going to the ice with his and the Detroit Red Wings, Steve Eiserman, and what he accomplished. Hall of Famer, three-time Cup winner there. Um, but, yeah, that's that's another good one. I'm sure there's plenty of hockey ones. You know, what's funny is I feel like there aren't a lot from the recent Blackhawks Cup runs to – that I mean, maybe there were a couple, but the the Hawks were winning in a lot of those. Like people may bring up like the Sedin twins, or 
but you never really you never really felt like you were in danger against them because the Blackhawks took care of them for the most part. It seemed like. Uh, let's go to Will in Cullum. What's up, Will? Hey, I have two also, and one of them is Michael Jordan to start with. I grew up in Ohio. Okay. Been a Cleveland fan all my life. There you go. I mean, Explains I, all that. All I have to say is Michael Jordan in the short window that we had, hitting the shot. You know, it was like, man, if we could just get past the Bulls and try to play the Pistons, we had a, you know, we had a decent team at the time. But you know what? I moved to Illinois, been here since 1992, and actually rooted for Jordan and the Bulls in the last three feet, you know? Okay. And then, so you, you came across the way. I did. You know, I mean, I'm a sports fan, you know, and, and I appreciate good play, great players, you know, um, and, you know, I did. I, I rooted for them. Cavaliers weren't anything during that period. So, you know, and I, and I still root for the Bulls. But the toughest one, John Elway. Okay. When I was a kid in 86, 87, those years when we should have went to the Super Bowl and John Elway killed us every time, and I hated him with every ounce of my body. But those last two Super Bowls that he was in, and I think I don't even think Cleveland had a team at one of them. I rooted for John Elway, you know, and I respect him, you know, for all the accomplishments he's had, you know, and that was a tough one. That was <laughs> that was a tough one to put away. But, you know, hey, John Elway, great career. And wanted to get past those AFC championship losses to him and grew up a little bit, you know, you can appreciate what the guy did. For sure. Thanks for the call, Will. You have a good night. 312-332-3776. Talking about some of those athletes that they killed you. They killed you every time they faced you. But you had the ultimate respect for them as well. We've got Ben, who's in Gurney. What's up, Ben? How you doing, guys? Good. What you got? Uh, mine would be, um, you know, we got players like, you know, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, LeBron. But I come from the Mexican side of culture, and it, you know, my background is boxing. So mm-hmm. when I when I got to see Floyd Mayweather destroy all the Mexican legends, mm-hmm. you know that that was more of a deeper cut, you know, than seeing you know Aaron Rodgers destroy my Bears for a long time. Yeah, that's a good one there, uh, Ben, because you, you look at the, like how boxing is set up too, right? Like it's, it's one on one, but like you're going up against a guy repetitively there as well. And you think about, I feel like it's a little bit different than, than what you may see in golf. Like some people, if you were a, a Phil fan, a Phil Mickelson fan and going up against Tiger Woods all those years and, and Phil coming up short, a number of those times against Tiger, but like with, and maybe it's just the physical nature of boxing too, but you're going up against the whole field in golf. Whereas in boxing, it's head to head, you get in the ring and and that's that. Right. And you know, me, like I said, my background is boxing. So no matter who was up against Mayweather, you know, we we just had to, you know, root against Mayweather, but I got to respect the guy. I mean, he's the greatest of all time. So, you know, just to see him destroy all you know, all the legends I grew up seeing boxing, you know, even even outside of the Mexican culture, you know, you got Madonna from Argentina and him destroying everybody, you know, it was it was more of a deeper cut to us. 
Yeah, thanks for the call, Ben. Appreciate it. Joe's in Bourbonnet. What's up, Joe? Hey, I'm going to take the easy way out. Uh, how are you, by, by the way, tonight? I'm fantastic. How you doing, Joe? What you got? Good, good, good. I'm going to take the easy way out here and stay right. out LeBron. Because it's, um, like, he was always in the way. I know he didn't really have the most championship caliber teams there under Tibbs. But we couldn't find out because LeBron was always in the way. And it was... Uh, that, that's when I finally realized what it was like to be a Knicks fan, a Pacers fan, all those teams that Jordan was in the way of, because we were just spoiled with that. But then having that just smacked in my face all the time, I got tired of seeing the same guy in the NBA Finals every year. I was just rooting for any other team to beat him. Nope, of course not. But you have to respect the guy. I mean, you do. I'm right there with you know, Joe, it's funny that you say that because if I did this show like early in his heat tenure, I didn't have respect for LeBron. I was just pissed. Not not necessarily for leaving Cleveland, but the fact that he didn't choose the Bulls too. And again, that oh, would have been my hate. it would have been my adolescent brain speaking there as well. But now it's at the point where Listen, I respect the hell out of what LeBron's done. I probably made my my heel turn maybe towards the end of his Heat tenure um, and then the early stages of round two with the Cavaliers there. Yeah, that was – yeah, it was uh, when he won the championship for – well, when he just went to Cleveland, I was like, that was pretty cool. Um, When he won it, it it was – and I just think ever since from there, he's become more of like a human. I think – he portrays himself the way he wants to, but I, I don't know. I, I, it's, yeah, it sucks. Like You have to respect him. <laughs> no, I'm with you. I'm with you right there as well, Joe. Appreciate the phone call there. 312-332-3776. Who has been the athlete that has been a pain in your ass, but you respect what they have done on the field, on the courts? We even heard one in the boxing ring as well. Max in, or, uh, yeah, Max in Tinley Park. What's up, Max? Yo, uh, the the other guy kind of took the words out of my mouth, so I'm going to keep it short from my phone dies. But, I mean, Aaron Rodgers goes without saying, I really don't even like saying his name. But LeBron James, I used to – I'm 28, you know, and, like, I was in high school when he was, you know, making that transition to go to Miami. And just mm-hmm. like you, I was pissed when he didn't pick the Bulls and he stayed in the Eastern Conference. And, you know, I, would, I used to hate him because we, we, we kept losing to him every single year in the playoffs despite the fact that we had great teams. And I used to I used to hate that dude. And now, after a while, I want to say, like, you know, like 2013, 2014, when he was going up against the Spurs, I started to hit that heel turn. I was like, yo, dude is literally built different, dog. Like, I don't even know. Like, if you're mad at this point, you just going to stay mad because this, this mother effort is balling. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah, man, shout to LeBron. I, uh, I used to hate that guy. But um, that game-recognized game, dog, dude is built different. Appreciate it. Go get a phone charger, all right, Max? Appreciate it, man. Good night. Yep. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Tio Elgin. What's up, Tio? Hey, Tyler. How you doing? Good. What you got? So I grew up in Mexico, so uh, in Tijuana. So I was mm-hmm. a Lakers fan. Yeah. In the eighties, and then in the nineteen ninety one, when uh, Michael Jordan beat my Lakers, I was, I was so mad. Cause I remember we won the first game, right? On the series, and then, uh, then uh, you guys won the, the rest of the games, and I was. I was a kid and I was crying, so I I, I respected him, but I didn't like him. And then all the finals, I I ruled, I ruled against the other teams. Mm-hmm. And Michael Jordan won. And in 1998, the last year that he won it is the year I moved to Chicago. 
Okay. And I I kind of started liking him, like let it let it go. So. Yeah. Thanks for the call, Tio. Appreciate it. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. You want to hop on in as well? We're keeping our eye on the Big Ten tournament taking place over at the United Center. Let's talk a little college hoops because Selection Sunday is coming up this weekend. We'll get you everything you need to know from the world of college basketball. And also, I want to give you my full thoughts on on the retirement of Jim Beheim as well. What it means for the university, what it means for college basketball, what it means for my fandom, too. I know I, I have maybe a little bit of a reputation, but I want to clear some things up about my, my true thoughts on Jim Beheim and what he means to the sport and, and to Syracuse in general. All that's coming up next. Tyler Rocky sitting in for Black and Abdallah. This is Chicago's Home for Sports on FM 100.3 HD2, the ESPN Chicago app, and ESPN 1000. This is Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago, Chicago's Home for Sports. Black and Abdallah are back. This is Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. On FM 100.3 HD2, the ESPN Chicago app, and ESPN 1000. Sunday coming up this weekend. Believe it or not, March is here. We've got the NCAA tournament upon us as well. Big Ten tournament currently taking place right now. Penn State 72-65 lead over the Illinois Fighting Illini. About 45 seconds left to go there. Looks like Illinois is going to be done for the season at least for, from a, the, the Big Ten standpoint, they will get into the NCAA tournament. And I think Penn State probably just locked up their bid into the big dance after taking down Illinois for the third time this season. Third time they have taken down the fighting Illini in two what really feels like road games that they did it in as well when you figure the contingency at the United Center tonight. And then obviously what they did earlier this season where they throttled them down in Champaign. But we are here. It is time to talk a little bit of college basketball. Every weekend, by the way, in case you missed it this past Sunday, Shay Norling and I are going to be with you talking NCAA basketball every single Sunday throughout the NCAA tournament. Basketball U from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. right after Meller and Hanley right here on ESPN 1000 every Sunday. Looking forward to chatting college hoops with you. And we've got Selection Sunday this week. thoughts that I do want to get to. All right, a couple of things. Let's first start with this. This is one of the the little little more newsy items here. And that is Kansas coach Bill Self will miss the remainder of the Big 12 tournament after going to the emergency room last night for what doctors are calling a standard procedure according to the school. So he will not coach in the Big 12 tournament. His status is unclear about whether or not he will coach in the NCAA tournament. Here's what I'll say about coaches. They matter a lot, especially in March. It's a big reason why I'm a huge believer in a team like Kansas, in a team like UCLA. And it's a big reason why I'm not a believer in a team like Marquette. Not a Shaka fan. 
He has not done it in the NCAA tournament over the last decade. Ofer's last six, five of those losses have come as a single digit seed. Coaching matters. Now, Kansas in their first Big 12 tournament game, no problem against West Virginia, 78 to 61. The Jayhawks take care of business against the Mountaineers. But the bigger question now is what is going to happen with Bill Self? Because without Bill Self on that sideline, my confidence in Kansas wavers a little bit. And in fact, my confidence in a few of the one seeds right now is wavering. So if you look at the latest bracketology projections from Joe Lenardi, you got your one seeds, Kansas, Alabama, UCLA, and Houston right now. If Bill Self can't coach, my confidence in Kansas certainly wanes. UCLA just suffered a significant injury as well to Jalen Clark, largely regarded as the best defensive player in the country on the number two defense in the country. A big reason why I actually thought UCLA was the best value you could get if you went to FanDuel. At the time, I got him at plus 1,000. I think I also sprinkled a little plus 1,200 in there as well. But no Jalen Clark. He's done for the year with an Achilles injury. That certainly dampens my hope for UCLA. Now, it doesn't mean UCLA is helpless at this point. But they're losing their best defensive player on one of the best defenses in the entire country. So UCLA, they had a little bit of trouble with Colorado today, but they pulled it out in the Pac-12 tournament. And then obviously the situation that's going on at Alabama right now with Brandon Miller and the cloud over that program. Brandon Miller not charged, but linked in the murder of Jamia Harris. And we've seen Alabama as a result. It seems like their heads aren't totally in it. They've played in a lot of close games after blowing out a ton of teams in the SEC. They were winning games by an average margin of 21 points through their first dozen or so SEC games. But that has started to temper a little bit starting to play in some close games that they haven't been playing in. And now you could say, all right, it's good that they're getting a little bit of a battle test here as the season ends. And it's not Brandon Miller who seems to be bothered by this. It seems like the rest of the team is the one that's really underperforming. Brandon Miller's still going out and doing his thing. So an unfortunate situation, but Alabama, you sometimes wonder where their heads are at right now with everything that's sort of clouded over them. Houston's the lone one seed that I don't really have many uh, many doubts about right now. And they're your odds-on favorite to win the NCAA tournament at this point in time. So I do have a couple teams that I am keeping my eye on as well in this NCAA tournament that's coming up. Let's start with, and, and listen, there are two teams that you're going to be like, really, you're keeping your eye on those teams? But it's worth bringing up because they haven't gotten the hype that they're used to getting as programs. Let's start with Duke. Coming off of a 96-69 win against Pitt in their first game in the ACC tournament. Duke has won their last seven. They're playing with a ton of momentum right now. And on top of that, you know, the big thing about why Duke was hyped up at the beginning of the season, preseason top five, was because they are freshmen. They brought in the number one recruiting class. John Shire, he went to work on the recruiting trail, and he brought in a class that was the best in the country. One, two, four, and five, I believe, were his in his class for this upcoming season. So what happened? Why did Duke get off to a rough start? Well, he had a lot of guys in that recruiting class that were injured. 
And on top of that, also, those guys, quite frankly, aside from Kyle Filipowski, their seven-foot center, those guys weren't playing up to the standard that was expected out of them coming out of high school. They struggled early on. Well, all those guys are playing at the standard we had set for them with those preseason expectations right now. They are rolling right now, and they rolled through Pitt today. So Duke, I, I got him a couple days ago at 50-1 to 1 on FanDuel to win the national title. I don't know what those updated odds are right now, but I think that's a team that's worth keeping an eye on there as a team that could win it all. The other team is Gonzaga. Gonzaga hasn't had any sort of hype this year, and it's because they had a couple of losses along the way. They, they always felt like had a loss at a time where just as you were about to build them up as this team that, oh, they could do great things in March, all of a sudden they, they kind of slipped a little bit. And Gonzaga now just fresh off a, a win in the WCC tournament, and they ran through a St. Mary's team that a lot of people thought was better than Gonzaga. But no, 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 no. That was far from the case. And the Gonzaga Bulldogs are the class of the WCC once again. A 77-51 win over St. Mary's in the the last game, in the championship game of the WCC tournament. So that right there is... Is some another team to keep your eye on because Drew Timmy is playing some of his best basketball right now. And I will say, some people are saying, oh, Drew Timmy, like, he's been in college forever. No, you just haven't been paying attention. He's been in college for four years and barely played in that first year. I, this is one of my big pet peeves with, with college sports in general. It's, oh, that guy's been there forever. No, you just haven't been paying attention. Like, he's been there for really only been playing three years of significant basketball. He's been there for four years. This is his senior season, his true senior season as well. And by the way, congratulations to him, the all-time leading scorer in Gonzaga program history. He broke that record the other day. All right. I do have some more college basketball thoughts, and it pertains to Jim Beheim. I will get to those. My full thoughts on Jim Beheim as the leader of Syracuse has stepped down after 47 seasons as the head coach, and 60 seasons overall involved with the program. I will give my full comprehensive thoughts on Jim Beheim's departure from the college basketball world from a Syracuse alum. Coming up next. Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago. Chicago's home for sports. Follow Chicago's home for sports on Twitch at ESPN 1000 Chicago. You're listening to Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Thank you to Kendra Smith and Brendan Riley for producing tonight's show. No Black and Abdallah show tomorrow night as we will have full coverage of Northwestern basketball as they take on Penn State tomorrow from the United Center 515. You will get that here on ESPN 1000. So I will get to my my Jim Beheim thoughts in, in just a second. Again, he is stepping away as the head coach of Syracuse basketball after 47 years. But first, I want to check in with Victor on the south side. What's up, Victor? 
how's it going, man? What's going on? Not much, man. I heard your question, man, so I had to call in. I'm old school, but the uh, guys that used to really, really was a pain in my side was the Detroit Pistons. Oh, my God. Bill mm-hmm. Lambeer and Isaiah Thomas, I could not stand them. Yeah. And th- those are good ones right there, Victor. Appreciate the phone call. And like Isaiah, I mean, the ball handling that he had, it, it was tough. To, and maybe it's for someone that didn't live through that era. I don't have the hatred for Isaiah. I think I, I still have the hatred for Bill Lambeer just through my father. And, and also just because of uh, you, you watched The Last Dance. He was an ass. You could tell. He was an ass. Uh, but Isaiah, he, he was a little more coy and sly about it. So I never really got that from I never have the hatred for Isaiah. I, I had more of the, the joy of just watching some of the highlights of Isaiah there. All right. So here's the deal. Jim Beheim has stepped down as the head coach of Syracuse basketball after 47 seasons as the head man in charge there. 47. Think about anything that you've done in your life for 47 years, right? That, that's more than that's that's almost two lifetimes of mine. I haven't done anything for 47 years. He's been a part of the university from his time as starting as a walk-on, as a player, then into an assistant, and then ultimately to head coach. 60 consecutive years of being a part of Syracuse basketball. Unbelievable. 60 years, six decades of your life spent as a part of one university's basketball program. Remarkable. We will never see another head coach go 47 years. We will never. It's not going to happen. I'm calling my shot right now. However, the way that things ended at Syracuse, and you may have heard some of my thoughts, and you may see what I tweet out as well, and think, man, this guy hates Jim Beheim. I'll say this. That's not true. I do not hate Jim Beheim. In fact, I'm actually very thankful for what Jim Beheim has done and what he's meant, not just to, to Syracuse, but to college basketball in general. You know, you think about Syracuse as a city. It is a, a, a blue-collar town, hard-working group, not a lot going on there. For being honest, it's a pretty damn miserable place between the weather and everything else goes on there. But the one thing that Jim Beheim did was he brought joy to the 20,000 people that walked in to the Carrier Dome every single night and the countless other thousands more that watched the game on television and gave them something to look forward to every single night when they were when they had their Syracuse Orange playing on television or whether they were in person watching the game. And it's remarkable what he built. You know, you only go to places like Syracuse if there's a destination for something. You only go to Syracuse if there's something worth going to for. Whether it's family whether it's the basketball program that they have, or in my case, the journalism school I attended, you only go to that place if there's something worth going there for. And let's be honest, there's not a lot going there worth going there for. And the fact that Jim Beheim was able to take this small city, upstate New York, that really didn't have anything going for him, and make it a pin drop on the map, That's significant. And him building up that program, getting it into the Big East, forming that with the early collection of coaches, 
and then making them a significant thing. Like, word association game. When you hear the word Syracuse, the first thing you think of is either basketball or Bayheim. One of the two Bs. There's nothing else that you think of coming out when you hear the word Syracuse. And for him to have built that over the course of his lifetime, unbelievable. And even though myself is happy that the time has come for Jim Beheim to finally step aside with the way that things have gone the last couple of years in terms of wins and losses, even the way that it has gone sideways these last couple of years, he got a raw deal. He got an absolutely raw deal from the university with the way that it was handled on his way out. It was messy. And listen, he was a surly old man this past year. No doubt about it. Even the way he went out with that press conference. But that's a man who deserves some closure for what he built. He is not just the university. He is that entire city. And the fact that he put them on the map is nothing short of impossible. And the way that the university has handled it with pushing him out and not giving him his proper flowers on the way out is a shame. It really is. He is everything to that city and that university, and he got kicked out the way that he did. He should have been given the proper send-off. I'm not saying he needed a full retirement tour, all of somebody that we know down in Durham, because I don't think that's what he ever wanted. But I do think he got a raw deal on the way he was sent off and pushed out. He should have been celebrated, not kicked to the curb, like the way that it all transpired when it was all said and done. So Jim Beheim, thank you for... 47 amazing years of Syracuse basketball, but thank you for also going out the way that you did. That's going to do it for us here tonight on Black and Abdallah. We will be back tomorrow here on ESPN 1000. This is Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports.